Sword maidens and hammer boys, hold your calcite crystals to the setting sun, comb and braid your man beards and your lady beards, and Snorri, why don't you have any land? Because of primogenitor Anders, so now it's time to talk tall to me. Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Momes. And this, my pointy Viking hat children, is Talk Tell to Me. A noble raiding mission caused by trade imbalances along the northern coast of Prague Rock, in which Nixie Nick and Ofner Omen will seek to return to the Allfather every single song that ransacking rock band Jethro Tull has ever forged in the fires of Fieres Wolds. We will grip the tail of the mighty Joe Parrish Gormengander. We will seek the treasures guarded by the barrow-dwelling David Drauger Goodyear. We will sail the Midgard seas with John O'Hara at the helm of Hringhorni, and we will help protect the world from the heat of the sun with the human shield, Scott Svalin Hammond. And if we prove ourselves in battle, we may finally gain the wisdom of the Blackpool Berserker, the Frost Giant Flautist, the Minstrel of Muspelhelm, Ian, the Axe of Elfheim, Anderson. This... This is the first song off of this album 12 tracks yeah where will you go from here this is well this is just getting don't worry don't worry don't you worry about me i i am i am you you look like you strained yourself on that one so i just want to make sure i <laughs> all of those are real words that refer to specific things i know i really went down the proverbial hair hole last night Goodness me. Nick! Well, Omen. What an auspicious day here at the land of Talk Tall to Me. That it is. That it is. We are doing the most contemporary tall thing we've ever done. Yeah. Well, I mean, we did, we did do the, the previews beforehand, but this is the, the meat and potatoes of Talk Tall to Me. We are covering the brand new album that is, I mean, I think a month old at this point. Truly never thought that I would see the day i mean what a what a what an amazing existence this is we do live in an amazing time that we do cheers to the new tall album i raise my drinking horn to ye here you are my friend full of non-alcoholic mead in boca alupo it's just honey i'm just drinking a, a glass of honey i was gonna say that's just honey water yeah <laughs> i have a sore throat so before we dive into the album and the track itself I just wanted to give a bit of an announcement. So, Omen and I have been talking. Sit down, kids. Take a yep. seat. Everything's okay. We're not mad. We are disappointed. We are. In ourselves. In ourselves. For not setting clear enough guidelines. <laughs> so, we have determined that the team, the Jethro Tull team that produced... 
the Zealot Gene and virtually all of that team who produced Rockeflute is the same team that produced Thick as a Brick 2 and Homo Erraticus. Yeah, oh, I didn't even know where you were going with this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And therefore, they've been added back onto the Tall schedule. We're going to talk about them. And, you know, whether it is officially a Tall album, whether it is a solo album, the lines between these things in these late years are getting increasingly blurred. Also, the illusion of the division of things is one of the greatest illusions in our existence. So that has added seven months onto the schedule, not including the new ones, the, the bonus tracks that dropped this year and the 24-track final album, supposedly, that's coming next year. And it's taken seven years off of my life. We will be dead by the end of it. <laughs> We're doing those two albums. If you want to hear the previous solo albums of Secret Language of Birds and A Walk Into Light, we have in, uh, individual episodes for those two albums. And then Rupee's Dance, we're doing what we do with Talk Tall to Me. We are doing each individual track that will be s spread out over the, the course of the feckless episodes. Yeah. So if you want to get on, in on those solo albums, go ahead and hop on over to Patreon. $5 a month gets you access to those old that old content. $15 a month gets you access to all of our videos, past, present, future. That was Rupee's Dance. That was from Rupee's Dance. Caliandra Shade? Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, and finally, one more thing before we jump in. Much as YouTube is wants to bring out the best in people, there have been some heated discussions on our YouTube videos, particularly rotating around rock flute and um, we just want to say please play nice the whole purpose of talk tall to me is to bring together a community with differing opinions and differing ideas to be a collective community yeah we don't know anything and neither does anyone else really so shake what your mamas gave you and by that i mean your politeness and friendly makingness and courtesy. Yeah. courtesy. That's, th th those that's the all. word, yeah, courtesy. If you want to be mean about it, go to some, some other video, other tall video. I'm sure there are tons out there that you can go be nasty on. Or be nice here, please. Write it down on a piece of paper and take it to your therapist. And shoot it into the sun. Shoot it up. <laughs> I hate. Okay. <laughs> so, Omen, brand new album. N nearly the whole cast that we had last album. Yep, one major change out, that is our time with Florian Opale has passed. We have a new guitarist joining yeah, us do. named Joe Parrish. Very excited. We've already heard bits and pieces of him. He is very talented, very excited to dig in. His coming was foretold by the ancient scriptures. That's right. That's right. Jesus said it on the cross. He's like, beware of Joe Parrish. I don't know why he said beware. A little nervous now, actually. <laughs> he's losing a lot of blood. <laughs> yeah, he's a little, he's bit, he was dizzy. It's okay. It's fine. So, uh, Jethro Tull, as of this current iteration, are Ian Anderson mm -hmm. on concert and alto flutes, flute d'amour, <laughs> Irish whistle and vocals. So many questions about what a flute d'amour is. I don't know. It's in the book. That's what it is in the book. That's what it says. 
We've got good old David Goodyear on bass guitar again. John O'Hara comes back on keyboards, piano, Hammond organ, Scott Hammond on drums, Joe Parrish James, electric and acoustic guitars, and mandolin. Mm -hmm. And special guest for vocals on tracks 1 and 12, Uner Birne. Yeah, whom we're going to hear today. Yeah, we will hear her open up the entire album with her readings of some pretty awesome stuff. The flute d'amour is a um, is also called a tenor flute. It's a little bit bigger than the concert flute. It's intermediate between the concert flute and the alto flute. Huh. I think of it as the viola of the flute family. Interesting. Yeah. It's just fun to call it the flute d'amour. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As to be expected, all songs composed by Ian Anderson, except the lyrics for tracks 1 and 12, which came from our Poetic Ida, which we will definitely be talking more about in the coming episodes. Yeah. Do we want to hit anything else, or do we want to jump in? No, I think we should jump right into this first track off of Roqueflute. It is entitled Velusbo. Velusbo. They really made a, a mistake not casting Ian Anderson as Darth Vader. Yeah. Aren't you a little short for a Sith Lord? <laughs> Nick, <laughs> that song. Oh my God, I'm so excited to talk about Jethro Dull. This is, this is this is like genuinely super exciting to to really dive into something that's so gosh darn brand new. As of this recording, I think it's under a month, wasn't it? Like April nineteenth. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's May fifteenth right now. Like bonkers. It's not even on solid food yet, and I love it. I must admit, it's been a while since I've listened to the album. Yeah, so sure. It was kind of even just kind of stepping back into it. It was invigorating and very exciting to get into. I am so jazzed about this. Like, Zelagine was great. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And I loved it particularly for the content. I think that just based on this one song, I'm really excited about the music in this album. And it's not to say that I wasn't excited about the music in Zelagine. It was fantastic. But, yeah. oh my gosh, I'm so freaking excited to talk about the music of this song. Voluspo. Yeah, it's... I think we went into Zealot Gene, or at least I did. I went going into Zealot Gene with mind on the content in particular because of the, the source material. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a book. I don't know if you've heard. It's called The Bible. The This one is a looser collection of myth. You know, it's kind of coming from the same area, but the just the music itself sounds so different. And... On top of that, it's new old Tull. You know, it sounds like something that we've heard back then or could have heard yes. back then. Yes, there's a moment, and I mean, we'll get to it, but like there's a moment where it suddenly you get like the winds of the 80s are blowing across the landscape <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, I'm back there. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Before we jump into the music, Nick. Yes. What is Voluspo? 
The Velaspo or Velaspa is Old Norse for Osiris. Osiris. Well, no, I suppose the Velospa is the prophecy of the Osiris, who is the Volva. In Germanic paganism, it's Osiris. Seer-S. Yeah, it's a hard one for the radio. Who has the ability to foretell the future events and perform sorcery. They're referred to as a prophetess, a staff-bearer, wise woman, sorceress. And they're frequently called witches and priestesses, both in early sources and in modern scholarship. So this piece of text that we have is a section of, the, of a poem, a section of the great epic from the poetic Ada. Stanzas two and three. And it is this part that is, it is a prediction being recited to Odin mm-hmm. by one of the Volva. Yeah. And we will talk about Odin more in depth in two episodes for All Father. Mm-hmm. So that's just a little... little. Uh, Our father, <laughs> the poppiest song off the album. It's such a like seventies romp. So Just let's talk about the music. Rainbows the... in the background yeah. and pew pew pew. Yeah, they're all on a bus that's like leaving a, a rainbow trail behind it. Yeah. The first thing that we hear in this song is what? The asthma-inducing breath. It genuinely is discomforting for me to hear. And I know I know Chrissy also agreed with me in Discord when I mentioned it back when we covered the whole album review a scant month ago. She said she also has asthma and it also kind of triggered something in her, that forced breathing. There's a very important reason why we start with the breath, though. It refers to, to possibly two things. One is that even before we get into the idea of Ganungagap, the space before the world was created, mm-hmm. the song is taking the place of the chorus in a Shakespeare show. Two houses, mm. both alike in dignity. We're going to give you the whole plot. We're going to set yeah. the scene for you in Fair Verona. This is, there is this universe. There is the giants. There is the, the world tree, the nine worlds. And we'll talk more about in Ganungagap, but of those nine worlds, one was made of fire and one was made of ice. And where they combined... That heat, that transfer of heat and moisture gave rise to Ymir, who is the, the first being. Mm. So there's that the breath of the universe creating Ymir, and then the breath of that giant also creates a number of things as we, as we go on. It's cool. It's a very cool world origin, universe origin, really. Mm-hmm. It's neat. It's neat. It's got the Bible beat. It's got, it's got the Bible beat. Bible beat, mm. beat, beat. Mm. Got mm. the Bible beat. Mm. Drop that beat. Mm. Bible mm. beat. Mm-mm. I think we're releasing our new religious children's album based on that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a sample. If you'd like the rest of it, subscribe to Patreon. <laughs> Speaking of Yamir, he's described as having a hermaphroditic body and produced all the beings that would come after him. Them. Yeah. When, what is the name of the, the lady who reads this? Unir Birna. When Unir starts reciting this piece of text, several thoughts collided inside my brain simultaneously. One is that it reminds me so much of the Lord of the Rings movies mm. that came out when we were in middle school, high, high school, school. Yeah, where you have Galadriel speaking Old Elvish mm-hmm. and starting out taking us on that journey. Yama, the world is changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. And 
Tolkien was very intimately aware of all the European language groups and based, sure. I forget what he based Elvish on specifically, but man, hearing this, I was like, <gasps> I'm 14 years old again. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it had a lot of those, those liquid consonants, yes, if I remember absolutely. correctly. Yeah. The other thought that occurred to me is, oh yes, this is an oral tradition. We have text copies of it, but in a way, those are the antithesis of what this text actually is, which is a living recited document. And the lady in question who recites it does an amazing job of bringing that presence, bringing that performative nature to this moment. Yeah, so if it's not clear, Unur is reading from the poetic Ida, and then Ian translates it. It's just the direct right. translation. Totally. And in this this listening and reading through, I realized that Gununga Gap is yawning gap is what it translates to. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's really cool. Speaking of the flute d'amour, oh, that my first God, flute that, that we low hear. flute. So that was the flute de more? Absolutely. I wouldn't have clocked it, but hearing the tone that it's in, and then later we have the concert flute coming in. And you can hear the difference. It's really, really gorgeous. I understand why it's Damore because ooh, there's some there's something primal like it hits the root chakra. It's like oh, it's nice. It's like it's so powerful compared to the last 50, 60 years of Tall being like the the higher stuff. Like it's so potent. Why is it taking this long? He played the goddamn Lyricon forty years ago. Why can't he play I, this? I know, I know. It's it's funny. I had the same thought. Like wow, you know. Just getting around to it, I guess. Yeah. I want to hear the Lyricon de more. <laughs> <laughs> That's illegal in oh. every country except for Qatar. Oh. And there it's only for a select group of men. I have not updated my passport. So we have the, fl we have the flute d'amour, mm -hmm. followed close on the heels thereof with the synth. Yeah, very, very light, subtle synth at first. But very 80s. Very like, guess what? It's the synth. We're doing the synth synth. Yeah, right. Oh, no, there's, before that, there's super quiet synth behind it. Oh, I neglected to mention that right when we have the text in mm -hmm. Norse, soon thereafter, we have these discordant tones. <sighs> I thought it was two flute tones. It could be two synth tones, but that's an amazing element, creating that, that incredible tension. No, that is flutes. There is a, a super quiet synth, I swear. I'll try to put it in if I can even isolate it and pull it out. But what you're talking about, yes, flutes. Yeah. It's got to be two flutes, like just a hair off. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of mixes with the breathing too, right? Yes, like it's yes. in there during the breathing. Yeah. I think they're playing a half tone off from each other. It's very uncomfortable making, which, you know, I suppose the creation of the universe was probably kind of uncomfortable at times. I would imagine so, yeah. <laughs> we get really sweet strumming to begin with, too. We get mm. some sweet guitar in there. Very, very nice. Mm. 
Before Joe Parrish James kicks down the door and shreds the hell out of it later on. I remember yet. But he starts out very nice. Mm -hmm. What a great introduction. Not technically an introduction because we did have Joe for one track last album. Yeah. But he's darn solid here. And that was his uh, Castilian dance. What am I thinking of? Quotidian dance? No. His quinceanera. Quinceanera. <laughs> yeah, but there's another word for it. His cotil- his cotillion. Cotillion. That was his, that was okay. his cotillion. It was his debut to all the, the eligible suitors. Is that what you're saying? Yes, but now he's dancing in the night houses. With Jethro Tull. With Jethro Tull. Yeah. yeah. He goes back to Ian at the end of the night. How much did you earn? <laughs> Very uncomfortable. So when we have the drums come in, and then we have the drums mm, and the flute together. Drums are nice. And we have this amazing, this lift. It suddenly kind of goes into this, what feels like a major key. And there's there's a lift that happens three times. So it's all in the same key. But then it modulates. Is it just like a half step? What is that? What happens there? Oh, it's so gorgeous. I Can you explain a modulation to me? Yeah, so... <laughs> Musical keys are, so there's like every note in the universe. I don't know how many there are. Let's, six, isn't it? Let's say, <laughs> let's say six. A through G, right? Well, let's, let's see. Where's your keyboard? Okay. <laughs> it's not my keyboard. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, seven, four. Let's say there's 14 notes. Okay. That's inaccurate, but let's say for the sake of argument <laughs> that, that, that there are. There are 14 notes. Seven. Yeah, seven. Those are all half steps in one octave. Okay. So if you're playing in a key, you're not going to use every single one of those. You use certain groups of those, a certain pattern of those notes mm-hmm. to form a coherent sound, to make it a melody. That's a chord, right? Or not quite? You can form chords of those notes that you use. Okay, okay. But in that batch of 14, you're only going to use seven with maybe a few extra ones. That gives you a coherent key and so the ear can interpret what it is that's happening in Western music. You can change keys, but then you have to take, okay, we're, we have this batch of notes and we're going to swap them out for this batch of notes. Mm-hmm. But in order to do that, you have to take a intermediary step where, where and that's that moment where it feels like, uh, where's it going? Oh my God, mm. here we are. Yeah. So there is a process that is very mathematical and musician-y of changing, okay, we're using this set of notes that this key, mm-hmm. and then we're transitioning to this other key. Okay. Jay Mancillo, if you're listening, let us know how wrong Omen was. Yeah, please. <laughs> like everything else thus far, particularly the breathing and that discordant flute, it's just one extra thing that it's like, ooh, it's not quite. It's not quite finished. It's not quite comfortable. It's not quite cohesive and in a safe bubble. Yeah. There's a level of risk there, it yeah. feels like. And then we get out of it, and we get into the new the new territory, and suddenly everything feel, feels better again. Yeah. Joe Parrish is giving it to me. I have a feeling we're going to gush a lot about Joe in the coming weeks and months. And that's not to say that we didn't love Florian. He was good, but he was very subdued. He was a bit subdued. He played his part well. 
and there were a couple of times I think we were like, oh, the guitar's good here. But just the just whether it was the creation of the songs, whether it was the fact that they were all or half of them were COVID babies, you know, it's it's difficult to know. But there's something Joe is bringing something very special to this that it's been a while since we've heard. Joe Parrish walked into the studio and was like, what if I played the guitar with the amp turned on? <laughs> They're like, oh, he, he figured it out already. Damn. <laughs> this power cord's not connected to anything. Was it you? who Somebody was telling me about the switch on a bass that someone... Where, where did I read it? So this session musician, this bass player, played for a lot of different bands. Sure. And he had this one switch on his guitar, on his, his bass. Yeah. Just like this flip switch. To, okay. It okay. wasn't labeled or anything. And then the producers were like, okay, yeah. Yeah, we, we like that one. But can you play it again, but like dirtier or cleaner or grungier? And he would flip the switch that's not connected to a goddamn thing. Oh, wow. Play it the exact same way. Wow. And they'd be like, yeah, that was exactly what we wanted. I love that <laughs> so much. You know what that's called in theater? Is That's called giving something the French treatment. Mm, really? Yeah, so if you, like, the where I heard it was, if you're a costumer and you, you bring in a costume, you know, you put it on the actor, you show the director, and the director's like, ah, there's just something not quite right about it. You know, it's, it just needs a little something. You, you say to your assistant, okay, um, Jamie, can we give this costume a, a French treatment? Oh, yes, very good. Yeah, we'll start that tomorrow. <laughs> and you take the costume away and you don't touch it. <laughs> you bring it back a week later. And you say, okay, what do you think about it now? And the director says, oh, my God, I love it. That's that's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. That's so funny. We all need our French treatment switch in life. Yeah. I wonder what that would be for me. So we get, we get a lot of buildup. Then we get a lot of instrumentation, which I really love. We get Ian with his breathy translation, his husky voice. Yes. Spoken, not sung. Beautifully spoken. This is just a direct recitation. At about three is when... My panties come off for Joe. He just rips. Yeah. He destroys it. And then he's going down while Ian's going up on the yeah. flute. Yeah. Oh, it's just very... Very nice. Very, very nice. Good contrast. And again, like everything we felt so far, it's just not quite right in the best way. It's very proggy. It's like yeah. prog rock is alive and well. And living in. Which brings us to the the time signatures. They just, they took a couple of dice and threw them on the floor and... There were D20s and D7s and there a random D100 in there, and they just went with it. I counted some one section that's that's in three, four time. Yeah. I don't think it's that section. It's not the D, 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 D. There's another whole section that's in seven, eight. No, not a thing. And there is at least one measure of eight, eight. Uh, as a transitional measure. Interestingly enough, those time signatures were invented during the universe, the creation of the universe. They're things that don't belong. They're the nine time signatures of Yagrasil. 
and they got crammed into Pandora's jar. We're going to swap over uh, <laughs> cultures here. And she opened it up, and they flew out, and then she closed it. Yeah. And the only thing left in the jar was 4-4 four, four time. <laughs> this time signature I shall give to the pop stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, just, just a delightful song. Very solid. Really a lot going on in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm excited to attack a little bit of Alex. Let's do that. Okay. We're so super excited about this album that we want to keep going. We're going to plow through it. But yes. before we do, we're just going to do a quick little round of what are you drinking? What are you drinking, Carol Channing? <laughs> Nick, what are you drinking today? Or what have you just finished drinking? This is the final, final can of my Brewdog Elvis AF. Alcohol-free, hoppy grapefruit, non-alcoholic, from, from Brewdog. Oh, Brewdog Brewery. AF stands for alcohol-free. Yeah. That's very clever. Elvis AF. And it's, uh, it's, it's grapefruit. I love a good grapefruit with my hops. Just mm. yeah, especially mm, when it picks good. up on some of the uh, natural pomplamoose hop flavors that are already there. That's right. This one is not one that Raven can enjoy, however, because it says it is glutenless or something. It says something. Where is it? It's got gluten. It has less gluten than it's supposed to have, but it is not reliably gluten-free. One gluten is too many. That's right. I've always said that. Yeah, there was another one that we had that's uh. It's oh, it's called hop water. I think it's hop water, and it had um, blood orange flavor. Oh, and, and it's that's very just good. a sparkling water with hop extract in it. Yeah, I've had those. Yeah, it's I like very them. good. Yeah, it's kind of soporific too, which is nice. Hops kind of just like mellow you out. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. What are you drinking? Thank you so much for asking. I'm having an Athletic Brewing Company. Classic. This is the Run Wild IPA, which I highly recommend. It's one of one of the really good IPAs. It's a it's a little bit of a refreshing light IPA, definitely on the citrus notes. 65 calories, not too bad. Oh, how many are mine? And 2% of all sales go to restoring local trails. Girl, mine's 20 calories. Wow! Yeah. So, uh, Brewdog or uh, Running... What's yours called? Athletic? Athletic, there we go. (laughs) Run Wild IPA, Athletic Brewing Company. Brewdog or Athletic Brewing Company. If you wanna you wanna get down in this sweet talk to me action, you uh, you reach out to us, Moms at fecklessmoms.com. We'll uh, we'll work something out. Omen has mentioned you many times. Oh yeah, totally. It's basically all he's drinking. And to our listeners, if you want to experiment with sobriety, then there's lots of options. (laughs) That's true. I like water. (laughs) I also like. I like kombucha, and I like near beer. I went to a football game in New Mexico. Like football or soccer? No, football, where you play it only with your feet, and you kick it into the net. So soccer, yeah. okay. And it took me forever to find a non-alcoholic beer, but I did find one. Shocking. That I found one, or that it was hard to find? Wait, like at the, sta- at the game? Yeah, there at was the game. An- Oh, yeah, that is shocking, then. It was the Heineken 0.0, and it was great. Was it? Yeah, I had it with a pickle pop. A pickle on a stick? Nope. Frozen pickle juice in a plastic sleeve. That doesn't sound good. It was an extreme experience. 
Were you given it for free? No, I bought it for $3. You paid money for that? Yeah, it's for the electrolytes and the experience, which was intense. <laughs> I'll, I'll pass on the electrolytes and the experience, please. <laughs> All right, let's get on and talk about the lyrics. Here we are. We're out of the half. We're done being silly. Time to be serious. Let's talk about stanzas two and three of the Puitic Ede, the Poetic Ede, which is, I mean, should we talk the Poetic Ede real quick? I mean, I guess we should have talked that <laughs> during the halfway mark. Nick, what's the Poetic Ede? The Poetic Ede is the modern name for an entitled collection of Old Norse anonymous narrative poems, which is distinct from the Prose Ede, which was written by Snorri Sturluson, although both works are basically seminal to the study of Old Norse poetry at this point, because they're really the oldest collected works. There are several versions of the Poetic Ida. An especially notable one is the medieval Icelandic manuscript, the Codex Regius, which contains 31 poems. And I see the Codex Regius mentioned a lot, so it seems pretty important. It's a record of an oral tradition, whereas Snorri's prose is more his personal retelling of those stories. Mm, interesting. Distinct in that way. I, that's my understanding of them. Yeah. So in these two stanzas, the speaker, who is one of the Volva, is saying, I remember yet the giants of yore who gave me bread in the days gone by. Ekman jötna, ár of borna, þau er forðum mig fætta höfðu. I remember yet the giants of yore who gave me bread in the days gone by. So the creation myth of the Norse cosmology, as we mentioned, the first being was Ymir. And let's talk about the, the nine realms here really quick. Sure. Let's get into that. Norse mythology is based around this idea of the world tree, Yagrasil, which connects everything. And its roots mm -hmm. grow down into some of the worlds, its trunk and branches grow up through some more of the, wheel, the worlds. Our realm is Midgard. Mm -hmm. realm of the humans and it is rounded by not only the midgard serpent but then also a set of mountains that are impassable and that way it's it's kind of protected mm -hmm. we also have the um, alfheim the realm of the bright elves jortunheim the realm of the giants svartalfheim is the dark elves oh nice yeah yep yep, Schwar yep. schwartz vanaheim Realm of the Vanir. Mm. And then the ones that we mentioned, Niflheim and Muspelheim are the realms of ice and fire. Mm. The ice mist and the fire flecks were some of the first things that were there. And that, that's what gave birth to the stars, the oceans, and ultimately Ymir. Hmm. Cool. We also have Nidavellir, realm of the dwarves, and Asgard, realm of the gods. Yes. What about Helheim? Did we do Helheim? Did we miss that one? Yeah. Th so then there are a little. There are some variations depending on who you mm. ask. Okay. Helheim is, in some versions, a place within one of the other worlds, which is where people who didn't die honorably or didn't die in battle will go to live out their lives who had sort of purposeless lives. Mm. It's not a punishment. It's just sort of like a, well, yeah, you go there. Kind of a limbo. 
Yeah, whereas Valhalla is the Hall of Valor. Yeah. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing Vanir, just going back to Vanaheim real quick, Vanir is an old branch of gods. It's the gods of the old branch. So it's almost like in Greek mythology, yeah. it's the Titans yeah. versus the new deities. It's interesting. And a lot of Norse mythology has to do with the battles between the giants and the gods. Hmm. So all of these worlds had different relationships with each other. Just correcting before I get emails. Svartalfheim is also known as the home of the dwarves. I guess dwarf and, and dark elf are kind of synonymous. And again, they're different versions depending on, on who you ask. Yeah. It doesn't always match up. But this idea of there being nine worlds is pretty standard. Yeah, cool. Cool, cool. She's talking about a time when, when it was all very amorphous. Right. And she got bred. She got bred from the <laughs> from the giants. So this is this is our priestess seeing this and kind of experiencing this memory. She obviously didn't experience this, but she's or did she? I mean, I guess she's talking to Odin, so maybe maybe she did. Who knows? And who is to know how this poem was used ritualistically? Yeah. If the living human priests retelling this story felt that they were inhabiting the memory of the vulva and were able to actually see this as if it was a lived memory, you know? Right, right. It's hard to know, but I mean, the process of listening to it in your imagination, you kind of go like, oh my God, I'm there. Yeah. I can see Yeah, it. it's very transportive. Yeah. A lot of these... These oral traditions were to pass on lineage, were to pass on how to do things, you mm -hmm. know, how to farm, how to fight, how to grow things, stuff like that. So this is, this feels like it's, it's built out of like a lineage thing. Like this is where we come from. This is our stock. This is where we go. Yeah. Could be wrong. Well, no, it, but, and it's also a religious text. So it's, you know, mm. in a lot of religions, the holy word is not the book. Right. The holy word is the spoken version of that word. That's true to some extent in Islam. Hmm. That's why you have the callers from the minarets, because the word the word of God written down is just sort of like, yeah, it's, it's not. I the, mean, it's okay. It's not official. Yeah. What the actual word of God is is being shouted from the towers. They have to be inspired by God. They have to be in a spire. Oh. By near God. They have to be enthused. They have to be in a thuse. That's the original definition of enthused, is to be uh, possessed by, by deity. I put my thuths in the wash. You didn't dry them, did you? You got to air dry those. I, of course, yeah. Okay. Well, I iron them. Oh, well, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. Low, low setting. Yeah. Earth had not, nor heaven above, but a yawning gap. And grass nowhere. I love that. And grass nowhere. Earth had not been, nor heaven above, but a yawning gap and grass nowhere. Grass is so important that it warrants mention, or is that like the very first thing? And it's so early on that not even grass has shown up. I think it's that. I think that yeah. no matter where you go, even if it's not developed, there's going to be some grass in springtime. Right. Yeah. But here there was grass nowhere. 
nowhere. Yeah. And that's it. Of old was the age when Ymir lived, so a long, 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 long time ago. Sea nor cool waves nor sand were there. var alta, var er ymir byggði, var of old was the age when Ymir lived. Sea nor cool waves nor sand there were. So that's referencing when Ymir was old or was around. Mm-hmm. So nothing had, had existed at that point. Earth had not been. Yeah. That's it. Well, and compare that to some of the descriptions in Genesis. Mm about formless, the light had not been separated from the dark. There was just a formless sea or something where no land yet had been something or other. Yeah, the sky hadn't been separated from the sea or something along those lines, yeah. The yoke hadn't been separated from the white. Yeah, omelets are very fatty back then. (laughs) Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep. And then he starts separating stuff out. Uh, And then, you know, at some point, and God said, let the land produce vegetation. So you have a pre-grass area. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for, for my money, in terms of an, of an origin myth, I quite like this because there's a lot of fun stuff. It's very evocative. The imagery, it's very easy to picture this violence and this chaos. Yeah. In this, this kind of miasma of things just kind of forming out of nowhere, this kind of chaos theory thing. And it's, it's very cool. It's very cool. And part of that, I think, is because it is so poetic. Mm, yeah. You know, poetry, the reason that we have poetry is because, A, it makes it easier to remember and re-recite. Like, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a functional aspect of a lot of these oral traditions. Right. But also, because of that, it sticks in the mind in a different way. And I think it does allow you to form images more easily. Yeah, I think so. There's something in the human brain that translates it a little differently. It affects the consumption of that information. Mm-hmm. Gives me consumption. It, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like the basic version, but then if you, we get more details in other places. Ymir was born from something called Aether, which is described as yeasty venom that dripped <gasps> from the icy rivers <laughs> called... The Elvagar. Wow. That sounds very similar to ether or ether, which is kind of just a miasmic air. The ether, something produced from the ether. That's a really good point. I did not think of that. Hmm. Then there's the, all the delineation of which bits of Ymir gave birth to which things. The yeasty venom part. Now, that was what gave birth to him. Oh. He didn't inherit any yeasty venom. Well, he gave birth to male and female from his armpits. Naturally. One gender per pit. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. The earth is fashioned from his flesh, from his blood, the oceans, from his bones, the mountains, from his hair, the trees, from his brains, the clouds, from his skull, the heavens, and from his eyebrows, the middle realm in which mankind lives. So did he just kind of like discombobulate into these parts? I, that's what I get the impression of. I mean, imagine just like a big boy, like a real big, just big boy, huge man. Just a beefcake. Just kind of laying there. Uh, little bits and bobs float away and create other things. 
Yeah, I mean, what I don't get a sense of is what was his consciousness? Was he like, oh, I exist. How cool would it be if other things exist? Or if it was like, you know, oh my God, what is this? Who am I? I'm dead now. And then it's like a whale fall, you know, where a whale hits the bottom of the ocean and it allows life to spring from it. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever know the answer to that. I wonder what his toenails became. You know, I feel like Norse mythology is just weird enough that they should have told us what his toenails became. Well, there's a whole mention that the ship of Loki is made from the nails of dead men's fingers. That's right. Maybe they became the Svartalf. Maybe they were the dwarves. Maybe they became fishes. And that swam around in his blood, the oceans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Nick, if you were to be a giant creation being, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which things would spawn from which parts of you? Hmm. That's a good question. I think tumbleweeds would come from my beard. Oh, love it, yeah. I think watermelons from my eyes. That's where watermelons do come from. Yep. Like flaxen golden crops of wheat from my beautiful hair, obviously. Wow. Yeah. 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 And badgers from between my toes. And your skin, of course, becomes the snowy stretches of... The snow-dappled tundra. Of the Arctic, yeah, because it's so white. Wait till we get Raven on on the video. It'll be... (laughs) (laughs) Turn down the brightness of the screen. Her Eastern European see-through flesh that glows like porcelain. Oh, man, I'm so excited to talk more about this album, Nick. But I'm afraid that's all we have for now. I think so. What are we talking about next week? We've mentioned it once or twice. Next week is our Yawning Gap. I think, was it the first of the singles? Yes, it was. Yes, it was the first, yeah. Yeah, our Yawning Gap. Come back next week for our Yawning Gap. Until next week. Save the money that you were going to spend on the bread that you were going to give to the giants of yore. And spend that money on Talk Tall to Me merch. Buy those giants an extra large t-shirt with the OG JT design or the Tall Skull design. Everybody knows that the giants, the Jotuns, are fans of Jethro Tull and this podcast. Our lives and actions are meaningless in comparison to the heroes of old, and yet you can join our oral tradition by giving us a positive review and five-star rating on your pod place of choice, and we will recite it after having taken some funny mushrooms that the reindeer were eating. (laughs) Until next week, I am the mighty roots beneath the mold, Nick McGill. I have grass nowhere, Omen Thomas said. (laughs) Ekman Jotna Arbut Borna. Talk tall to me. And we inhabit the nine worlds, the feckless moms. I am Ymir. Alone in creation. Oh, what is my purpose? Ooh, that tickles what's coming out of my armpit. Whoa. Little being. Oh, 
Little being, I shall call you Left Pit One. Oh. Wow, I'm flattered, I guess. I am everything that exists. What do you need? I mean, I suppose... I suppose I could use, like, a burger or something. I'm kind of hungry. I will create from myself a burger for you. From this, my left nipple. <laughs> Blam! It is now oh. a succulent burger for you. Oh, medium rare, just the way I like mm, it. A little bit of lettuce and tomato for flavor. That's perfect. Red onion on there. You Wow, I didn't know that this was my favorite food, but it is... Clearly now my favorite food. I shall house you to protect you from the elements using the fifth and sixth vertebrae from my spine. Clack. Thank you. Oh, so roomy, spacious. I can stretch. It's a townhouse in case any more of you come out. So you were saying something about elements? What's an, what's an element? I don't see anything around here that's an element. Oh, welcome to the air that you breathe. Oh, wow. Wow, it's it's dank. Yes, yes, I will freshen it up with an ocean of my blood. Wow, elements are air and water. How cool was that, yes. That's awesome. I mean, could I know I'm asking a lot, but do you have like a surfboard or anything? I can Ooh, go out and hit the blood waves? Stand upon, yes. I've yeah. From my left buttocks, I shall create Greenland. Right here next to this pimple is where the only McDonald's in 1,200 miles will exist. Not for a while. They sell burgers, though, right? They do, they do, they will. I mean, I can't be upset about that. That's great. All you must do is progenerate. I feel a little gassy. Is that, is that what's going on right now? Is that... It's in the right direction. Okay, awesome. Oh, great, but great. in order to make little ones, you will have need of a mystical power. I give you, from my left toe knuckle, jazz. <laughs> I was not expecting the mystical power to be jazz. Yes, now you can swing it, whatever it is. Wow, my hips, they, they can't stop moving. Yes, I feel yes. gyrations. Yes. What do I do with this appendage that's dangling around? Don't put your eye out. Oh. <laughs> Gotta be careful. You'll put somebody's eye out with that thing. <laughs> Here, from the very skin of my nostril, I shall make ye a clothing. Oh. The boogers are for fashion. Oh, it fits so perfectly. Yes. It's sticky, yet comfortable. Now, we need to give you a purpose in life. Here, let me think, let me think. What could that be? Purpose, oh, oh. Something with deep meaning. Yes, yes, I have it, I have it, young one. Oh, my forces are dissipating. My elbow is becoming the mountains. I am not long for these nine worlds. Oh, Ymir, you've been all I've known, I'll miss you. I give you from the very marrow of my bones this last gift to you. It is called podcasting. Wow, I can't wait to create a mom so I can live in her basement and do all of the podcasting. All things in good time. Remember the last words of Ymir. What is it, Ymir? What is it? Talk tall to me as a proud member of the Fair Eclis Mahomes Audio Network.
I forgot my hat. I've got it now. Goodbye.